everyone and welcome to Cornwall Insights latest podcast. Today we're going to talk again about one of our favorite topics, electric vehicles or EVs. Uh, the decarbonization of mobility is now, of course, increasingly seen as a priority by policymakers and market players on a global level. And the number of both electric vehicles and EV charging points is steadily increasing. As we all know, in the UK and elsewhere, the electrification of transport is going to be crucial to reach our net zero targets. In today's podcast, we will be looking at the main areas of growth, upcoming investment opportunities and barriers, but also policy and regulation, as well as new charging patterns emerging out of the current crisis. My name is Dana Sori. I am a research partner at Cornwall Insight, and I am delighted to be here with Maria Connolly, partner at the law firm TLT. Maria, you're welcome to introduce yourself. Thank you, Daniel, and delighted to be joining you here today. Uh, I head our clean energy sector and real estate group at TLT and have been very fortunate to have been involved in the clean energy sector for over 20 years um, and perhaps also of relevance today, Daniel, um, became an EV driver myself uh, just over 18 months ago. So hopefully can add some value today, both from a professional but personal perspective as well. That's excellent, Maria. Yeah, that's excellent. Thanks a lot for uh, joining us today, of course. And now uh, just to get started, uh, what do you think are the main growth areas for electric vehicle charging infrastructure? or EVCI in the short term? I think we're a really exciting point for EV charging infrastructure. Uh, there's been a lot of activity around the, the, the need for charging infrastructure in the UK over the past couple of years. And I guess we would see it in a number of different scenarios. Uh, destination charging, so where, where this has been very relevant is uh, leisure, uh, retail outlets in, in, in particular, where it's the destination. People drive there, they'll, they'll, they'll use the uh, leisure or, or, or retail space for, uh, for, for their own sort of consumer purposes, but want to be able to charge their car at the same time. So I think that destination charging model will absolutely uh, continue and already seeing quite a few retail, leisure, other operators really pushing forward with these sorts of initiatives. Um, we've then got the charging stations, of course. So uh, looking at uh, how drivers might be able to charge their vehicles on strategic or other road networks. And again, already some really good case studies in relation to the development of charging stations. I think what's really interesting about charging stations is that there's a real opportunity here to develop some pretty exciting and innovative multi-technology projects. So you might have your charging hub or station, but being able to combine that with uh, some solar panel, which will generate good, clean, uh, renewable uh, electricity, some battery storage, which then harnesses that uh, electricity, and, and perhaps also combining these uh, charging stations and hubs with, with, with some add-ons as well, whether that's a retail concession or, or perhaps uh, a, a Wi-Fi, uh, the ability to, 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 to be able to tap into the Wi-Fi at the same time. 
We've then got the wider uh, green public transport aspect to all of this. And again, uh, already seeing some of the uh, large bus companies, fleets, uh, taxis, all very much looking to the future of, of EV. And again, what that means, the more EVs that we have on, 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 on our roads, again, just uh, creating that need and demand for EV charging infrastructure. So there we're in a great place at, at the moment. And um, I think the opportunities in, in the short, but, but also the longer term are, are, are absolutely there for the further deployment of EV charging infrastructure. Yeah, so uh, definitely a very exciting future ahead of us. And focusing on the role of developers, how can developers work with both private and public sector organizations in order to encourage the growth in EVCI that we all need to reach uh, the UK's electrification targets and our net zero objectives? Daniel, you make a really good point here. I think the public sector have a really, really important role to play in encouraging uh, the growth of EV charging infrastructure, whether that's along the lines of some of the the, the really good street charging uh, schemes that we've had. Or perhaps not forgetting that, you know, the local authority will often be uh, the landowner of a car park or or land in other really strategic uh, locations. The way I think I see this playing out is that there'll be some of this led by um, local authorities and, and public sector. But actually, I think what we'll see a lot more of is the partnering, the, the, the partnering between the public sector and the private sector, whereby the local authority will, will, will provide the land, but then the uh, deployment of the projects, the, the, the capital cost will all be sort of taken on by uh, the developer. But absolutely, particularly in sort of city centre locations and beyond, I think we're quite excited actually as to the role that the public sector can absolutely play in in us all seeing further EV charging infrastructure. And now uh, the role of users and consumers, which of course need to be at the centre of the electric mobility revolution. So we are seeing the numbers of EVs on the road increasing and also more affordable models coming to market. But what do operators and developers need to do to develop user-centric EVCI? Sure, and I might might add a bit here from my own personal perspective, Daniel. I think there's a few key factors and and, and some of them sort of well well talked about in, in the market as well, of course. You've got to be able to have that interoperability in relation to uh, the systems themselves. The the consumer experience just has to be a really easy one. And one of the sort of challenges that that, that is often talked about is that you you need a different account or there's a different sort of form of payment um, and all those things that that, that just make it more challenging when you're arriving at a charging point and all you want to be able to do is charge. So I think there is still a bit of work to do in in the sector around uh, the, the, the consumer experience. But of course, the other key point is the location of EV charging infrastructure. Um, it's got to be in a location that's going to get the, the demand and the usage that, uh, that, that that drivers absolutely want. So I think that accessibility key is absolutely key, as well as some of those other um, things around just making it really easy and simple to use. 
Thank you, Maria. And of course, our lives have been uh, transformed by the COVID-19 crisis. And many people think that uh, flexible working patterns, of course, are here to stay. So now that flexible working and working from home become more and more commonplace, how this is going to drive uh, the adoption of home charging? How is it going you know, to impact charging patterns in general? It's interesting. I, I do think home charging, uh, where, where you've got the ability, of course, to have a home charger, is 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 really important. And when I looked at my own uh, usage of my my, my home charger uh, versus charges that I might use um, if I'm out and about, actually, most of my charging was done at home because you can link that to uh, a favourable uh, electricity uh, supply tariff and, 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 and get all the benefits that, that, that go with that sort of home charging uh, electricity supply. It's interesting. And one thing that's really talked about at the moment is um, how the new normal, whatever that emerges in the way that we will now continue to work in the future, which I've got no doubt will be um, carrying on uh, the, the agile, the flexible working that uh, that we've become used to, but in a more balanced way with time in the office that people will still want and, and need actually going forward. I think what will become really interesting is how that impacts the demand for EV charging and, and, and people's own sort of commuting habits. It's probably a bit early to say at the moment, um, but I think it is important. And one of the things I didn't mention earlier, but linked to the way in which we work, is a lot of organisations, including ourselves, um, have also arranged for workplace charging. And I still think that has a really, really important role to play the role of the office, the physical office, is still going to be a really, really important one. We might use that office in a slightly different way, but I think that combination of workplace charging and home charging um, in a workplace context will still become uh, a growth area, actually, for electric vehicles. And on the same topic, uh, for those living in uh, urban conurbations, where it's not possible to have home charging off street charging, off street parking. What role can leisure and retail play in providing uh, charging alternatives? Yeah, there is no doubt that uh, leisure retail will play a huge part in relation to that. Goes back a little bit to some of my comments just around um, that, that whole destination charging. I think it's probably broader than that actually and, and and probably again the role that local authority and public sectors uh, will, will play in developing new technologies such as lamp post charging uh pop up you know on street uh, ev charging all of these things need to be need to be factored in and you know we we we, we know of some retailers who leisure operators actually who will very much be looking um, to open up those charge points, not just while the destination is open as a shop or a pub or a hotel, but perhaps in the evenings and overnight, um, which not only addresses the ability for somebody to charge, but also helps out with some parking problems, potentially, that a lot of city uh, city residents might, might face with the challenge of 
parking. So I think it will be interesting to see how that all emerges. But yes, there is a great role and opportunity in relation to just uh, being able to provide charging for those who aren't able to uh, have home charges. Now, uh, moving to fleets, which of course represent a big opportunity in terms of uh, EV adoption and mass rollout. What role uh, does battery storage have to play in the development of uh, fleet charging infrastructure? I think it's really important. Um, we are already seeing battery storage playing a pretty critical role to a number of these EV charging projects, whether that's uh, in the context of a, a charging hub um, or, or, or many other sort of multi-technology uh, contexts. We, we, we all know that, that the grid in the UK um, is pretty constrained, pretty congested. And I think the development of battery storage technology over the last sort of five years or so just means the battery really can help to alleviate some of the grid constraints. And importantly, in an EV charging infrastructure uh, context, absolutely, I think we will see uh, more of these types of projects um, coming coming to uh coming to the market. So there's a huge there's a huge opportunity there in relation to combining EV charging infrastructure and battery storage. And again on fleets, uh, of course fleets because of their sheer scale and their high utilization rates, they seem to be appealing investment proposition and kind of good candidates for uh, electrification. Um, uh, From an investment point of view, is the market seeing an appetite to invest in fleet charging and charging infrastructure more widely? Yes, for sure. And EV charging infrastructure, I think, has followed a similar pattern to that that we've seen in relation to other new technologies. So it's fair to say that whenever there is a new technology, um, there's an element of making sure that that delivers an investable proposition to investors and, and, and funders. Um, and what we often see in the market, Daniel, is that there'll be sort of equity funding to, to, to start with, but the technology then um, gets, get, get, gets a proven track record. And uh, at that point, we then see um, banks on a debt funding or project finance basis becoming much, much more involved. So there has been some good Uh, equity and infrastructure uh, investment in electric vehicle charging already. Lots of focus on what the revenue streams will be. So that that in itself is, you know, of course, a fairly involved area, particularly when you've got some sort of multi-technology projects as well. Um, but we have also seen some uh, some landmark deals uh, in in the sector. Earlier this year, uh, Trialist Bank, uh, Podpoint, Volkswagen and Tesco all collaborated in relation to the supply installation operation of up to 840 um, publicly available EV charging points across uh, 600 Tesco stores nationally. Um, that was a project we were very fortunate to, to be involved in and absolutely gives the right encouragement that we will see more uh, more funders, particularly on the debt side, 
uh, in the market for opportunities such as this. So, you know, it's quite exciting times for investors and, and, and banks in, in the space right now. Indeed, exciting times for, uh, for, for investment. But of course, there are still risks and bottlenecks ahead. So um, based on your experience, what do you think uh, the main barriers to investment are and what can be done to mitigate them? Sure, and it's it's a really it's a really good question. Um, one of the challenges that I think investors have have perhaps had is just ensuring that the revenue streams are secure. And there was a period going back a, a few years where we were seeing, for example, uh, withdrawal of subsidies in in the market, and it's those sorts of political decisions that, that that can really unsettle investors. I've got to say, I think we're in a much more uh, stable in, environment in terms of uh, the energy play at the moment. Lots of positive talk and indeed action around green recovery. So hopefully we won't see a repeat of any of that. But it, it, it's all about those stable uh, revenue streams, the, the, the proven technology, the, the track record that a, a developer has in not only building out a project, but being able to successfully operate it in order to deliver uh, the, the revenue that it needs to back up that investment or funding. And you mentioned the importance of policy and regulation. What does the UK need to do from that point of view to speed up EV adoption? Regulatory certainty is just so key. It is the foundation upon which developers, funders, banks all make some pretty strategic decisions. So we absolutely need Uh, a call for continued regulatory certainty. And I think it goes further than that. We, we, we want government to be properly supporting, uh, encouraging the deployment of, of clean energy and uh, green, green infrastructure. As I say, we're, we're moving in the right direction. There is still a lot to be done at government and policy level. But I think as we as we sit here now, I, I genuinely do think that uh, clean energy has a huge part to play in what we will ultimately see as, as, as the green recovery as we move out of uh, 2020. And a final question from me. If you look 12 months down the line, what do you think the electrification landscape will look like? It's a really good question. Um, I think, as you said in your opening Daniel, already we're seeing uh, the availability of new uh, electric vehicles coming to uh, the, the market more than we've ever seen. So I've no doubt that that very much will continue. Um, and I think we're also seeing a fairly significant behaviour change. And when, when, when individuals or when organisations are, are looking at their that, that the options available to them in relation to cars or fleets. Um, I've been really, re really pleased, actually, to see how looking at sort of the green or EV options is much, much higher up everybody's agenda than, than, than it ever used to be. We've still got a way to go on that, but I do think there's a, 
certainly an increase in, in, in terms of the appetite to for everybody to be making a really important in, uh, re really important um, role to play in, in, in relation to getting to uh, net net zero. Um, with the increase in EVs that we'll see on the road over the next 12 months, I think we absolutely will see more uh, projects um, around charging hubs, more destination charging. So there's been quite a lot of that in the press, but, but, but I absolutely think there'll be more of that over the next 12 months. I think the public sector will also turn up the dial just a bit as well because of the important role that they have, have, have to play in all of this. So I think we're in pretty exciting territory in terms of uh, being able to see much greater uh, deployment of EV charging infrastructure and certainly exciting times for, for, for everyone in this space. Brilliant, Maria. I think it's now time uh, to wrap up our podcast. Thank you very much for sharing with us your insights and expertise. It was great talking with you. And of course, thanks a lot, everybody, for listening. If you would like to discuss anything on EV charging or anything else in the energy space, please get in touch with us. See you next time. Uh, stay safe and goodbye. Goodbye.